Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley. On today's episode, Pastor Lance Hahn and I are honored to be joined by Pastor Francis Enfuso, the founding pastor of The Rock of Roseville right here in Roseville, California. The three of us will talk about how to engage the supernatural. How do we press into the supernatural today? Why is it important to engage the supernatural? And how can we grow in our understanding of God's work in the world today? These questions and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. All right. Well, welcome to season two, episode 10 of the Engaging Culture podcast. I am Brian Kiley here with the one and only Lance Hahn. The ever talkative Lance the Hahn. Ever yeah. talkative. You've got that I have many words to get out today look in your eyes. I do. I have like, I'm like brimming with, with thoughts to share. Oh, so many thoughts to share. We're also joined by... The great Pastor Francis Anfuso. Mm. Francis, thanks for being with You're us. You're welcome. It's good to be here. I've got some information about you. Let's see. You were uh, ordained as an evangelist in 1972. Yes. Married in 1975. Yes. Two twin daughters, seven grandchildren. Seven. It's amazing. That's pretty yes, awesome. It's a gift. Senior pastor of the Rock of Roseville since 1997. Yes. Author of 12 books. Mm-hmm. Regional unifier and all around great guy. Amen. So, yeah, that was pretty there good. We go. nice there intro, we go. There we go. Well, it was from your website, Francis. Oh, okay. So I would hope it was good. <laughs> but anyway, so so that was a little 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 uh, little overview. Tell us though a little bit. Fill in some details. Tell us about your background for those who maybe are, aren't as familiar with you or your ministry. Well, I had the privilege of leading Billy Graham to the Lord when I was a young Christian. <laughs> wow. yeah, it, I've never forgotten it. It was yeah. just a special moment. No, I was <laughs> born in Brooklyn, New York. New York. I talk about New York when I say it. High school in the Bronx, college in New Jersey. My father was a congressman for five terms, then a Supreme Court judge. That may sound like fun, but it sent me away to boarding school when I was 11 and never lived at home again. So by the time I was 15, pretty angry, embittered guy, became an atheist for seven years, had some father wounds that were big, and uh, he died when I was 17. Um, and so... When I came to the Lord, I actually could not call God Father for the first mm. couple of years, referred to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but uh, got involved in the kind of counterculture hippie movement. Uh, the tail end of that came across the country in a hippie van, and um, a relationship with a girl I was living with went south. Uh, actually, she had an abortion uh, in September of 1971. I drove her to a building in lower Manhattan. Before Roe versus Wade gave her $100, she went inside and by herself um, took care of our one child. And that was a very sad experience, broke the relationship. I didn't want to get married, didn't believe in marriage or having a child at that moment. So going across the country with her and others was not a fun experience. Oh, didn't, wow. She traveled with you? She traveled oh, with us. It oh, was not great. That is uncomfortable. And so <laughs> in a desert in Arizona, while, while they were partying, uh, doing drugs, uh, playing instruments, I wandered out in the desert, the sagebrush, uh, knelt down with a dull pocket knife in my hands, trying to carve on my wrist. And I didn't know it, but I cried out at that moment. I screamed. I remember I screamed. Didn't know what I screamed. But six months later, I realized I screamed, God help me. Wow. And uh, my twin brother was there, my best friend in the world, my girlfriend, others, uh, all crying with me because I was in big trouble. Within a week, they put me on a plane in Sacramento because I was desperately suicidal. Um, and that girl I gave $100 to gave me $100 to get out of her life. Wow. Flew to Hawaii. A long-haired walking germ, desperately 
lonely, uh, arrived in Waikiki, slept in the bushes, awakened by sprinklers at 3.30 in the morning, crawling out with my sleeping bag soggy, just thinking, this is a lousy life. And um, spent then six months there, gradually became more open to God consciousness and Eastern flair, would chant in Hindu temples, and um, then wound up coming back to the States. Um, I, I can't be too intense because some of the readers would turn the TV off here right now or the radio off, but um, I was out there. I was far mm-hmm. out and um, traveling with a woman from the planet Venus, and a lot of you guys haven't done that before. But, <laughs> yeah, I've but, never had that experience. I can't say that but, I have. Uh, she was actually a cocaine smuggler. That's how she had her money, and I wasn't. I wasn't into cocaine or smuggling, uh, but she was inviting me to go with her to South America, and I thought, well, South America, that sounds good. But I wound up getting saved. I uh, went to see a friend, that one of the friends, my best friend in the world, in that hippie van, had gotten saved. He had joined me on Maui for a while, then came back, went into the woods um, to, to chant to Krishna, as we had done. Um, we had actually been on the island of Molokai together, and we had been studying, really, he was a bright man, magna cum laude from Princeton, intelligent man. And uh, we prayed a prayer on Molokai, Jesus, Krishna, Buddha. We have studied your teachings. You're all not the same person. Would you reveal yourself to us? Wow. He came back and he began to chant in the woods for one month um, and was going crazy. Meandered back into his childhood Episcopal church, barefoot, long uh, saffron robe, long hair, beads, knelt down midday, began to cry. And he's telling me this story when I wound up coming to see him uh, on my way to South America. And he said, I was knocked backward at that point. Uh, I was across there. I said, He said, Jesus, I don't know anything about you other than when I was a child. He said, I was knocked backward. All my questions were answered. I was crying there in a heap, just feeling peaceful. As he, all I remember is I see, saw some feet go by. People were doing a little tour of the church, and they saw me, and then <laughs> oh they, they scurried away. Whatever it was, they were wow. gone. Uh, so he's telling me this story. Now, he's a believable person. This is my buddy. Right. And um, so that night, I went up to a church, a little country church, and the guy who was sharing was a hippie, uh, 21-year-old guitar-playing hippie, tried to preach, put his Bible down, just began to sing his guitar. And he was more real than any of the Eastern dudes and dudettes I had seen. And so he invited me to invite Jesus into my life. I did. As soon as I did, I said, Jesus, I don't know if you are who that man says you are, but if you are, come into my life and do for me what you did for him. Immediately I was being choked by the necklaces. One was turquoise necklace. I used to communicate with Venusians. Second one was Joppa beads. I used to chant to Krishna. I began to be choked by them. My arms were frozen at my side. I prayed my first prayer, Jesus, help me. One of my hands came up. I ripped the necklaces off. Hundreds of beads go all over the place. I could breathe again, crying, kneeling. People begin to gather around. Uh, meeting's over. I received Jesus. They wow. said, what was the beads about? I said, Krishna. They said, Krishna was a demon. And when Jesus came into your life, he kicked the demon out. I could breathe. I was elated. I spent up that night. I don't have a gift of wisdom, but I had, <laughs> but I had a gift of interrogation. And so that night it started. I asked questions till one in the morning. And in yeah. that commune, you could grow. Uh, there's only 10 people there in uh, May. By September, in a place where God was moving, a town called Smartsville, right next door to Timbuktu, old gold rush towns, not too far from here, maybe 45 minutes an hour. But um, hippies began to come through. We picked up hitchhikers as I was hitchhiking that day. 
and they'd get saved. We baptized 15 every Sunday wow. down in the uh-huh. Uber River. By September, there were 75 people living there, and the oldest person in that community was nine months in the Lord. He was the seasoned sage that we'd go to ask hard <laughs> questions. He said, well, back in November, I was The founding so, father. Anyway, I got saved in a supernatural revival. Wow. That's yeah, wild. that's crazy. It wow. is crazy. I'm a little embarrassed. It's awkward. It was my life. Um, I haven't met anyone from Venus in a long time. But, um, it <laughs> that was you know of. <laughs> that I'm aware of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you're an evangelist. Then you came here to Roseville. I was ordained within six months as an evangelist. Yeah. I would then, within nine months of being a Christian, I would take two people out in the morning to share their faith, two people out in the afternoon. Um, I had a college degree, so then I was a substitute teacher for a while. Uh, I then traveled as an evangelist, um, doing some media. We filmed at the Olympics in 1976, evangelists in Montreal sharing their faith. Um, Then I I wound up being invited in 77 uh, to pastor that community Hmm. uh, that had gone south, the love, dove, peace uh, Movement was over, and uh, people were now sleeping with each other again, smoking dope, and they needed someone crazy to go in there to bring a new sheriff in town. And so my pastor told me I'd go there for six to nine months. Uh, when he said it to me, I said, it's like asking evil Knievel to teach Sunday school kids how to roller skate. And so it, it seemed much too placid for me, but he assured me I'd be there for six months, nine months the most. I was there for four years and four months. I knew every day how long I'd been there. <laughs> I was a little bit disgruntled that I got conned into being this pastor. Um, but I did it. Again, I wasn't fully uh, upset, but I was not happy that I was there. But I had not yet seen a pastor I wanted to model my life after. And so then traveled as an evangelist for many years and saw a number of pastors. I said, you know, I could do that. I remember, though, in 81, when a prophet spoke over me that I had a shepherd's heart, I remember I reproved him, and I said, what percentage accuracy do you have? (laughs) (laughs) Which is a rude question. But 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 I I did have a shepherd's heart. I loved people. I just didn't like the model. I didn't. I felt I don't want to push papers in a back office. You know, give me something. I want to empty hospitals. I want to do something exciting. Um, But I saw some modeling that I could do and then began to pastor in 97 Mm -hmm. and have done that for 21 years. Wow. And retirement is upon you. I am crowd surfing out yeah. on Sunday night. Yes. Yes. Wow. Sunday, this Sunday night. It? Yeah, it's, it's pretty, crazy. Yes, it's pretty amazing. So, so we brought you here in part because you're cool and because you have <laughs> incredible stories like the one you just told us. But we also brought you here to talk about the supernatural. Yeah. Um, can you just give us a little bit, a little bit of a sense of the way that the supernatural has influenced your? ministry uh, over the last you know few decades. You know, the irony was, again, I was saved in a revival, but I really didn't know how to clearly hear the voice of God. And so even though there was a lot of supernatural activity going on, um, I could not fully identify. Now, again, all of us are in process of trying to hear from God, trying to obey Him, find out His will. But to say that I really have heard something that I was clear was the voice of God speaking to me, it would be nine years so yeah. 1981, I'm now pastoring that community. I've been doing that for four and a half years, about to close that community because the hippie trail had dried up and it was time to go. <laughs> um, and so the Lord, I was taking a shower one day and God spoke to my heart, no audible voice. I've never heard his audible voice, but an inner clear voice. 
that I want to teach you. It makes me emotional just thinking about it. I want to teach you how to hear my voice, that you can teach my people. And, you know, my initial reaction was, you know, as I'm, as I'm musing in the shower, uh, I know nothing about the subject. And he said, you know, basically, again, it wasn't, you know, writing it down verbatim, but just a clear thought, clear impression. Uh, that's why. You know nothing mm-hmm. about the subject. Yeah. I want you to spend some time learning. Yeah. And so um, I took it seriously. And I then spent the next few years um, actually writing a book on uh, spirit-led evangelism, a textbook, mm-hmm. going through every situation in the life of Jesus, the book of Acts, uh, itemizing everything in a textbook uh, about the fruit of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, and really spending a lot of time fasting and praying and saying, Lord, teach me. And then I began to flap my wings, began to try and hear from God for people that opened up venues of opportunity uh, prophesying over whole staffs, uh, and all of a sudden now I'm in public, now I'm doing it in church services, and just over the next 15 years, ministering over about 16,000 people individually, uh, many nights till one in the morning with people, you know, I remember literally lying on a platform once at the very end of that season, because I felt like I was a test pilot. I would have the microphone on my chest, I'm exhausted, I've been doing it for three or four hours, and I'd open my eyes, see the next person, and then just share what I had. And pastors would say that it was in a very, you know, sometimes it was 100%, but a very, very high 90 percentile. Uh, and yet I would miss things, and it really would bother me when I missed. And I would miss. Well, okay, so I, let, let me get into a couple pieces about this that you, that you just brought up. First of all, I want to highlight um, you talked about the real life of process, learning right. something you said it was nine years until so yes. for a lot of people they think if it's legit it just shows up and, you, and it's all good yeah. and, and, yeah. and if you have to learn it it must not be legit and I, I just simply don't see anything in Christianity that is like that right um, I think not only does it need to be honed it needs to be understood it needs to be settled into I mean that that's a process right, right? well none of us if we had a videotape replay of you and I picking up a fork yeah. Uh, we were not like we, you know, we were messing it up. <laughs> Walking, there's nothing even in the natural world nope. right, to indicate perfection instantly. And again, the whole idea of the supernatural that's different than the natural is that the consequence can have eternal factors. I yeah. mean, when that man and the irony of it was the guy who was preaching um, put down the Bible because he was trying to speak out of the Book of Ezra, and he was doing such a bad job. <laughs> He was from here. Now, from my vantage point, all I saw was authenticity. I saw genuineness. Mm -hmm. But he literally put the Bible down and began to do something he could do: sing a few songs. Yeah. But it was so real to me. I wanted what he had. You were talking about when you got saved. Yeah. So, in in talking about um, this idea of accuracy, so. You said, I, I ministered over 16,000 people. Now, just for our listeners to understand, what that means is, is if you're not from a very charismatic environment, you might not know what that means to be ministered over. So in charismatic streams, there is a freedom and ability to utilize a gift of prophecy, words of knowledge, discernment, different things like that. So if you go to a church service and you're like, well, we just, we kind of hang out here, we observe, that guy preaches, and then we go home. That's different than a ministry environment where you're engaging with the speaker. So the speaker shares a little bit and says, let's just interact. And you would actually wait in line to go up and say, does the Lord have a word for me? 
Um, or you would come up and say, I need prayer over something. And then while they're praying over you for something, all of a sudden they start to share some things and you're like, how do you know that? That's kind of more of the atmosphere you're talking about. Yeah. Right. You know, and just in the study of the gifts of the spirit in the gospels in the book of Acts, the most prevalent gift of the spirit was word of wisdom. And so that's just wisdom to meet a problem or a need. So that can be conversational. In other words, I Mm -hmm. believe the most prevalent gift that we are experiencing in conversation and you can go, I just had this thought, you know, well, it yeah, may just yeah, be yeah. a random thought, but it may be the Holy Spirit giving you clarity to address sure. something. Yeah. So it isn't necessarily facts, but it is wisdom. Hmm. Facts, then you move more into knowledge, words of knowledge. That's also about as prevalent in the Gospels and the book of Acts as prophecy in terms of what the Lord allowed us to see in the written word. But they are very natural in how Jesus did it. I mean, he's sitting at a well, and he has a word of knowledge for a woman. So what I saw in, and I think part of it was, even though I saw the dramatization of it in sometimes ways that I didn't identify with, meaning I would never do it that way, or I didn't want to do it that way because it wasn't my personality. Because I had nine years of just watching it, by the time I began to step out in it in a greater way, um, I just felt the necessity to keep it supernaturally natural. Mm-hmm. I could not put on a different voice. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to put on an air or a mystique. You know, I didn't want people to be distracted by my persona and somehow think that the way I'm acting is the way ha- they have to act. Because I, I didn't want to do that from what I saw. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, candidly, from people who had been kind of marinating in, and I'm not knocking it, I'm just saying, marinating in Pentecostal environments mm-hmm. where the way you talk when you're talking about the Lord is that, I mean, you have a certain way of <laughs> yes. talking. And I, yeah. I, 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 I no, believe. I, yeah, yeah, I can't, the Lord would say unto you. I, I just couldn't do that <laughs> and would not feel genuine. Now, I also was not allowed to critique them. It's not my nope. place, but it wasn't my armor. Well, you, you actually have a phrase that I think is fascinating. You said, um, others may... But I cannot. Mm-hmm. And then you say the phrase about judging another man's servant. You quoted a scripture. Can yeah. you share that for yeah, us? Yeah, and I think the issue is we all can be judgmental when we are either insecure <laughs> yeah. or threatened or jealous. Mm-hmm. Usually. I, mean, I saw people, I mean, do things and I wanted to do it. And then I had to say, you know what? They have the grace. They have the ability. God's given that to them. I had other abilities that they didn't have. And so, right. But I read a booklet, you know, early on that's it. it was called Others May I Cannot. And that really helped me. Um also to and not, what does that mean to well, you? Well, in other words, I, it made me not feel bad um, if I didn't feel led or called or able to do something someone else could do or have the liberty to do something else someone else could do. It was not my place then to judge them. Right. And so mm-hmm. the, as that verse you, you were intimating was that, who art thou, O man, to judge another man's servant to his own master he'll stand or fall? And God is able to make him stand. And so, again, those are some of the early things I memorized because it was challenging me to not be a critiquer, but to be receiving as best I can from everyone. Someone had, here's the, I'll tell you one story. This is a great story. There's a girl in our church now, a woman who's probably 50, She's special needs. Um, she's about four foot eight, maybe. She uh, kind of has uh, some hunched over dimensions. Um, she is is uh, not capable of fully carrying on full conversations. She's been carrying coming there for fifteen years. Uh, she is always there at the end of most meetings, waiting for me to pray for her. Yep. I have prayed for her um, hundreds of times. 
And I'm always looking, you know, I'm kneeling down because she's not big enough to be looking in her eyes. And so I look in her eyes and just encourage her. And over the years, you know, my grandma died and my aunt and I mean, all these things. And I'm trying my best and I go through the whole gamut of things, you know, here she is again. And yet I want to be loving. And so this time, now this is one of my last times. I'm coming to one of my last services like three weeks ago. And she's really going through it because I'm leaving. And, yeah. and so I kneel down, I'm looking in her eyes and all of a sudden, she begins to pray for me. Now, I'm telling you, in 15 years, she has never prayed for me. Oh, and wow. she begins to pray, God, bless Pastor Francis, Lord. You, you know, as he goes, you're going to send him out, and he's going to fly, and he's going to go places, and he's going to minister, and he's been a blessing. I mean, all of a sudden, she is prophesying over me. Wow, wow. And I am sobbing. I've never cried. In, in the sense that she, and I cry a lot, yeah. but I've never <laughs> cried because she was ministering to me. I yes. am sobbing. Wow. And she's prophesying over me. Amen. Wow. And I'm just hugging. I'm saying, thank you. You minister. And I, this week I saw her again. And I'm not sure how much she retains. I'm just saying, <laughs> she nailed it. It was wow. nothing but net. It was, and so what I saw was the Holy Spirit was, and it meant so much to me. Because here was a person that I knew was not capable of doing what she was doing. Wow. You know, out of the mouth of babes, she was ministering. Yeah. The best word I've heard so far about me leaving. The best. I don't know. I couldn't. I want to take my phone out and start recording it. <laughs> yeah, honey, can you start over again? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it was like real time, but it was very special. I want to. I want to go back to that idea of others may, I cannot, um, and, and and tying it into the supernatural, specifically into things like words of knowledge and, and stuff like that. Um, one of the things that has troubled me on both sides of the fence of the issue of how to deal with the supernatural is that in, in very conservative churches, there's very much of the idea of straining out, looking for reasons to not believe. On the other side of the hyper-Pentecostal, there's the idea of full inclusion. Everything must be legit. And I've been trying to always walk, especially Bridgeway, and I know that you kind of do the exact same thing with The Rock, which ironically, we started about the same time, Right. Um, but we've tried to walk that middle road of saying, I want everything that is legitimately right. Jesus and nothing that's not, right. um, and trying to walk in that middle place. But in talking about the idea of not judging other people, that some people have giftings that you don't have, that doesn't mean it's not legit just because you can't do it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, for example, uh, Pastor Brian, you said one of the first times you ever met Pastor Francis, he had right. come and done a training on words of knowledge, which right. we can get into in a moment. But at that time, that was not something you were familiar with. That was one of your first engagements. So right. you would look and say, I have to judge this, not by personal experience, but yep. maybe is that guy legit? Mm -hmm. Now, let's take that and jump another step. So Pastor Francis has had a number of uh, encounters, um, and he and I recently were at the Azusa Now conference down in Southern California a number of right. years ago. Right. And there was a gentleman that has ministered in this area a couple different times. He comes to Vacaville area, stuff like that periodically. And his name is Sean Bowles. Bolts. I always Bolts. try to, I always mess that up. Is B -O -L -T -Z. it B-O-L-T-Z. B-O-L-T-Z. Yeah. Bolts. Now, um, I don't know if you're familiar with this guy, Not but, really, no. but he is, if you want to talk about words of knowledge gifting, yeah. Uh, he's actually off the charts. It's really, really weird. Yeah. Um, he tell us a little bit about what well, you he, observe he, with he him. He can call out where people live, their address, their anniversary. I mean, that kind of specific social security numbers. 
yeah, four, last four digits. Incidentally, but, he's an identity thief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's his ministry. Yeah. No, but he's a very humble guy. I know people who have known him and worked with him for years. It's a very unique gift. I mean, candidly, um, part of me would desire that, and I know he trains people to do that. Um, I have gotten some weird stuff, but nothing carte blanche and wholesale like he gets it. But it's an extraordinary gift, and it, it makes you, I mean, I think the value of signs and wonders at times is to make people believe. I mean, they certainly, yeah. now we did a study. Part of that textbook was when people came to the Lord, was there the gospel, the gospel plus signs and wonders, or signs and wonders without the preaching of the gospel? Not necessarily, we don't know how it played out. There's no videotape replays, right, but sure. in terms of what the Lord allowed us recorded. to see. Right. Yeah. And so the gospel was the most prevalent thing. Uh, and even as we itemized the amount of miracles, healings, et cetera, we found that miracles was the least prevalent. I'm, I'm just saying what God allows us to see, which I think has some value. Because sure. we're thinking miracles are like dropping out of trees. No, I think miracles are very, very special. Mm-hmm. Healings are a bit more uh, common, you know, mm-hmm. a healing. You can get pray for someone to get a head cold and get, like I had a guy who told me, I've known him for years. He was a musician in the early days, and he communicated a few months ago on Facebook. I remember when you first prayed for me in that commune. We're months in the Lord, and I had a head cold, and my head cold went away. Mm. I don't remember the event, but there was faith to pray for that. Now, if you have someone's limb missing and the limb grows back, that's not a healing. That's a miracle. Mm -hmm. So miracles are when the natural, you know, supernatural is when a miracle is when something goes against the laws of nature. Right. So for a, a Sean or whoever ministering in that level of words of knowledge, like my daughters um, now minister in words of knowledge more prolifically because they were raised in that environment, mm-hmm. but then I, I ever did. They do that more than I have. Well, once again, you have to examine Sean Bold's ministry by saying, I don't do that. Right. So I can't just say, is it legit or not legit based on what God has anointed me to do? You actually have to say to his own master, he he stands or falls. And really it's the idea of saying, Lord, how wonderful and beautiful that you have yes. given him this beautiful gift. Yes. Now, let me remind our listeners and, and our audience what words of knowledge are for. Okay. Because we've been talking about this as if it's a super normal thing. And a lot of people are not experienced with it. Right. You are getting down downloads of information that you should not know, right? And what is the purpose? In my opinion, the purpose of words of knowledge is to remind the person God sees you. That really is the number one reason because all of a sudden it makes it personal. We're sitting there praying and I go, I go, you know what, Um, Justin praying over you, um, you you have something wrong in your shoulder. And they're like, I've never mentioned that I had something wrong with my shoulder. What that means is, is that God's going, listen, I'm watching you. I'm tracking on you. You're so personal to me (laughs) that he calls it out. And the person says, oh, I'm not just dealing with you right now. The Lord is moving. And so making everything personal and saying that this is our God that loves us so much. That's really the purpose of words. It's not a parlor trick. No. Mm-hmm. And that's really, that's the challenge is that obviously the devil has counterfeits and sure. yep. all the psychic readings and, you know, it's obviously much more prevalent on mm-hmm. TV um, to see the counterfeit than the genuine. Um, but, I, and I would say um, it still is impactful um, to realize that every one of us, you know, there's basically two philosophies about the gifts of the Spirit. One is that the, the, the gifts of the Spirit are resident in the Holy Spirit 
which is resident in the believer, and therefore any gift can be manifest at any time. The second option is that different individuals are given extra deposits of certain things, like giftings per se, Um, and so that's what some people believe. For me, I would tend to, again, I have a certain bent, meaning I have not functioned, uh, I function much more in words of wisdom and prophecy uh, than I have in miracles and healing. That's me. Um, but uh, I would say some people, um, and that's a seasonal thing too. Right now, you know, I was at one point an evangelist, didn't want to be a pastor. Now I'm a pastor, but then I've also been an intercessor. And now, you know, mm-hmm. there are different seasons in God, sure. the gifts. It's like a toolbox, I think. Yeah. I feel like the Holy Spirit, uh, all the gifts are available to us. I believe that. If they're resident in the Holy Spirit, um, I remember when I was ministering in that prophetic dimension, people would want to call me a prophet, and I'd say, no, no, I, I'm functioning in a gift of prophecy, but I, I do believe there are prophets, I do. Mm-hmm. I don't. I was not me. And, and but even, more as an office, you were talking about. Yeah, as about. an office, right, yeah. and even as an evangelist. Mm-hmm. When I was segueing from evangelist to do prophetic, they were saying I couldn't do that. I was thinking, no, 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 no. It's still part of my toolbox. And so I really try and stay away from the labels, you know, even now, pastor, you know, yeah, I have I have function as a pastor. I see them as functions. This is my personal feeling. Functions, mm-hmm. not titles. But sometimes people I remember going around in in streams where they'd have on the guy's door apostle, teacher, <laughs> prophet, evan I mean that's how that's the moniker they gave them. And I I just felt it was limiting because it branded that person and I had already felt you know, pigeonholed to be an evangelist. And again, I have an evangelistic grace at times. I'm not as evangelistic as I was. I'm not as prophetic as I was. I'm not as intercessory as I was. In a few moments, I will not be as pastoral as I was. <laughs> the, point, the point is, I, I, you know, if I'm, I'm instant in season to do whatever God wants me to do. And I'd rather do that. I'd rather flow with the Spirit than either have people limit me or me limit myself. So bringing it full circle to when, when you originally asked the question, here, here's what I want to highlight, and then I'm going to hand off to you, Pastor Brian, to kind of direct us and guide us. But... But the initial question is, what difference has it made, the supernatural, in your ministry? As you're unpacking all these stories, here's what moves my heart. I can't imagine your ministry experience if you pull all that out. And yet there are tremendous hundreds of thousands of Christians and ministers, especially pastors, that are operating without that part of their toolbox open. And and it makes me, and I kind of say, what what else does the Lord have for us? And what is he saying? You know what, kids? I've actually gifted you with all kinds of neat stuff. You're using only these pieces and you're refusing to look over here. But I wanted to give you a bit more of a holistic ability to interact with the world. Mm-hmm. So what I really wanted to kind of highlight for everybody is, is, is it possible that the Lord has built a lot of us more holistically to where we're able to pray through these things and say, Lord, are there some other things that you'd like to have me operate in? You would have never known that you had an ability to operate in the prophetic unless you tried to operate in the prophetic. Uh, Some people would never know that they have the ability to pray the reality of miracles into the natural from the supernatural unless they try. And I think that so many people are afraid to fail. They're afraid that if they fail, that somehow that means that it was from the devil or that somehow it was from the flesh. Or if you don't have 100% accuracy, it must all be bogus. Or if, you know what I'm saying? That, That nature of feeling bound up, that I cannot walk with my Holy Spirit and try to figure stuff out. Now, granted, 
lives are at stake. You and I and Pastor Brian talked off the air. The one thing that keeps us very cautious is you don't mess with lives just because you want to develop. Right. So you don't just go, well, you know what? Hey, whatever. I screwed up a whole bunch of lives, but now I know my gift. I'm just going to experiment here for a little bit. You you can't just do that. But there is an appropriate way to grow and there's an appropriate way to stretch and there's appropriate way to learn and there's an appropriate way to fail. And there's an appropriate, you know what I'm saying? I just don't want people feeling so bound and feeling like somehow it's from another planet in the sense of this is how Christianity works works, at least in my opinion. So Pastor Brown, what are you? Right. Uh, no, you're absolutely right about that. And I think for, for, for pastors, for leaders and for, for lay leaders, for lay people. Yes. The, the priesthood of all believers. The priesthood of all believers. The, the, the necessity of sort of opening the toolbox to continue with that analogy is, is obviously really important. And I do think you're right that, that a lot of us are perhaps not paying attention to elements of the toolbox, or maybe we've neglected the toolbox altogether. And, and as a result, we're not seeing God move through us in the ways that he's ready to go. So I guess one question I'd have for you then, uh, Pastor Francis is so for for a lot of our listeners, everything we're talking about is very sort of okay. Yeah, absolutely. Want to press in got all that for others. They might say, okay, well, I want to figure out what tools in the toolbox are available to me. I want to I want to press into the Holy Spirit and understand the supernatural and understand my gifting and all of that. But I don't really know how I don't really know where to start. What, what would you say to a person in that place? Well, let's start with the reality that you are right now having your supernatural being having a very temporary natural experience. Mm, that's so good. Understand that you are a spirit being. Mm-hmm. Your spirit will last forever. Your body will die. It is dying. So understand that reality. Number one, it says God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And that's not just worship services because the spirit of God wants to guide us into all truth. And the truth is sometimes that freedom that comes by stepping out and doing something you're not familiar with. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so what I would say is that um, expect the unexpected um, the Bible says in James 3 that the wisdom from above, and this is kind of an equation, is first pure. So you get your heart as best you can, Lord. Um, every day I get up mm-hmm. and I say, Lord, wash my heart, cleanse my heart. Then, mm. I, I, then I physically wash myself at some point. First pure, then peaceable. I receive the peace of God in my life. You know, Ask forgiveness if needed. Make whatever confession I need. You know, that worship to wash over my soul. But I'm just talking about going through life. Your heart's as pure as you know. You're at peace. And then the Bible says gentle. Mm-hmm. There's a gentle tug that comes. It's not the earthquake and the wind. It's the still small voice of God. A gentle tug comes. Then the Bible says willing to yield. So pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to do whatever, whenever, wherever, say whatever. And it's an experimental thing. Um, and then the Bible says it talks about some other qualifications, willing to yield and able to, you know, have good fruit. So that means I'm open to at times be patient, mm-hmm. long suffering, you know, uh, kind, whatever, good fruit without partiality. I'm not going to limit what I can. Oh, I don't do that. I don't minister. And I don't say that. No, mm-hmm. without partiality. That means also to whomever. Yeah. I don't talk to those people. And I've had, you know, I've spent, 
you know, a lot of time talking to homeless people. And I don't have the answer. You walk up and I'm not going to be Mr. Fix-It for them. You know, it's awkward moments. Uh, then without hypocrisy, the Bible says, in that James 3 sequence. Mm-hmm. That means when you blow it, and you are, and you will, yep. acknowledge it. Yeah, I've walked at the people in restaurants and said, it's just a little awkward, but I just felt a burden to pray for you. Do you have cancer? No, I don't. Well, let me impart it to you right now. And so, I mean, it was, this was an awkward Cancer moment. Cancer guy, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I you know, apologize, back off. I don't know. I did what I had at that moment. Uh, so pure, peaceable, gentle, easily entreated, full of mercy. I missed that one. That means having a heart of compassion. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, Jesus saw the multitudes was moved with compassion. Is my heart filled with compassion and, and good fruit without, okay, of mercy, good fruit, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And then it says the fruit of peace must be sown in peace by those who make peace. So the whole thing has to be shrouded in peace. Now, how do I know if something is from God? It's got to have peace. Mm-hmm. When in confused, God is not the author of confusion, I shut down. And so I would say to God in the early innings of ministering the gifts, Lord, I'm not going to do anything, especially if I came to places I'd been before and they were had an expectation and they're trying to make me, like I remember pastors saying, you know, you don't have to even preach. You just minister in the gifts. And I'd say, you know what? I really don't do that. I always share the word because we have a more sure word of prophecy. Mm-hmm. And so I want to lift up the word of God uh, that's already been judged. And then whatever ministry we do, that is purely secondary. Um, and so um, I, I want to be able to, um, I forget what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were—he had asked you I the question. Be I no, no, peaceable. He was asking. He <laughs> yeah. was asking the question in terms of, well, how do I learn how to do yeah. that? And you said, well, first of all, you got to have the right posture yeah. Yeah. of yeah. your heart. So for confused. Yeah, so what I would really say to the Lord, if I'm confused, I'm shutting down. Yeah. You have to understand. You are ministering for an audience of one. And you really got to get to the place where I really don't care. I mean, if I blow it, if I mess up, I'll ask forgiveness. And I mentioned this to you before, Lance. It was a big deal for me, even though ministering over thousands of people, not having 100% accuracy, provoked me when I was around national leaders who were ministering in that capacity to confess that to them and say, should I shut down? Should I stop? And they said I shouldn't. But I always felt troubled by it in my spirit. And only in the very final bottom of the ninth when I was doing it and about to segue from that, that season, the Lord finally spoke to my heart and said, the reason why um, I let you do it and not gave you 100% and didn't allow you to quit was because I always wanted you dependent upon me, mm. that you knew at any moment. I, it makes me emotional to hear yeah, that. That's the voice that's of God. He was saying at any moment you could blow it. And I know that you knew that. And I, and I wanted to keep you in that posture of desperately, desperately depending upon me. Yeah. And so that's wow. part of the deal. You want to be walking the Spirit? Expect to be humble. Living in humility, right. desperate, dependent upon God. Uh, well, Man, let me good. use that, that exact same analogy in another area of gifting, and that is preaching and teaching, right? So all three of us here at this table are preachers and teachers. And I have always taught people, even my preaching and teaching class and everything else, that you can do everything accurately, but what I believe changes lives is the presence of the Lord and the anointing that comes upon it, right? So there's one thing to hear a great message, and there's another thing to have a changed heart, right? right? And I have always gone up there, and I have a natural ability and a supernatural ability to preach and teach. 
but nothing's going to get done unless the presence of God is there. And I'm always dependent saying, Lord, this can all fall apart right now. Like it doesn't matter if I get the words right. It doesn't matter. Nothing's getting done unless the Holy spirit is rolling and he's doing his thing. And I feel like that dependency is always demanded of saying, yeah, you're right. You can waste your breath. You can sit up there and talk all day long, kid, but nothing's going to happen unless I'm with you. So am I with you? So here's a great story too. I was, um, one of my daughters had a baby and I had planned right at the time of the birth that I would not preach that Sunday. So she had the baby, was living in town at the time. And so I'm walking through the mall on that Sunday (laughs) when church services were happening and so, actually, I saw people who weren't in church. You <laughs> <laughs> wrote them down. It was, was kind of funny. Awkward for both no, of you. Yeah, but, but I'm walking with her, and all of a sudden I'm getting text messages about good things that are happening at the church and, you know, attendance, whatever, various things. And all of a sudden I see pride mm. yep. rising in my heart. Absolutely. Yep. And it was so grievous. I literally, on Tuesday, with tears, I repented to the elders. I said, where did that come from? And that bothered me so much. I said, Lord, why would I go through that? Why would I have that stinking thought? Yeah. And he said, whenever you preach, you say so many things you wish you hadn't said that you always drive away humbled by your experience. <laughs> and that Sunday you didn't preach. So. <laughs> I wanted to give you a humble experience. We need to get no, your but, humility. But it was there. just thinking, yeah, the thinking, then words, we're thinking, you know, he's saying, in your weakness, you're going to be made strong. And we're saying, God, take away my weakness. He's going, Francis, you know, Lance, you're not going to be the person you, if you yep. think you got it, you don't need me. Yeah. Yep. You, you know, you, you got to know you can't do it without me. Your planning, your watering is nothing without my increase. Right. I mean, to a huge degree, that weakness is necessary for health. Yeah, because as you have both said, yes. in the whether we're talking preaching, teaching, whether we're talking words of knowledge, whether we're talking any other gifting, and it's I mean it's all supernatural. It's all a gift from God. It if is. at the end of the day, I mean to to use your sort of preaching uh, comments from a moment ago, uh, you can give a good TED talk. That's right. right. That That's everybody all it leaves is. and says, "Wow, that was some interesting new information," or That's even a good, good Bible talk. Wow, that was interesting new information, but. But we're all very clear, I know at this table, that at the end of the day, the transformation that occurs right. does not come no, from us. You know, no, I mean, no. the difference between some people playing Christian music and a right. worship service really right. is the presence of God. Right. Amen. Right. And is God doing yeah. that? So for all of us, as we're seeking to operate in different giftings, whether it's on a stage in front of people or at the grocery store. Yes, exactly. We need to be very clear yeah. that like, it's not about you and your own ego. Yes. It's about God working yes. in a situation to minister yes. to people. And I would imagine, I mean, we've all seen a lot of stuff in our various ministry contexts that when you lose sight of that, whether it's a big context or a small context, that's really where kind of unhealth and misuse well, can Well, that's come in. where the Pharisees killed Jesus thinking they were doing God a favor. Yeah. In other words, when I just, you know, I'm, I do the Caleb things. And so I wrote one recently that, you know, Judas they had given money to, but then when he, he had committed suicide, they couldn't take that money back because it was tainted because it belonged to a murderer. <laughs> And so they couldn't put it back in the same treasury they had taken out of. It's so weird. <laughs> and the games that we're playing yeah, with God. It's like religious stuff here. Like, 
But I mean, the point is, I don't think of them when I talk about it. I think of me. What am I doing? What little shell game is going on yeah. where I am superficially thinking better about myself because I'm that little religious dude and not, you know, owning up to where I'm not being authentic or genuine yeah. or whatever. Right. Yeah. Switching gears just a little bit, I want to come back to to a phrase that we've talked about a bit and that, that you've mentioned a few times in our, our time together today. You talk about the idea of being naturally supernatural. Mm-hmm. Where did that phrase kind of come from for you and and why is it important? Because I feel like that's that's something that could really resonate with a lot of a lot of different folks. Well, first of all, I didn't invent it. I'm right, sure I heard sure. it over the years. But mm-hmm. it, the, the principle is um, that that if people are more distracted by my pseudo presentation of spirituality mm-hmm. than just the genuine spiritual dynamic that God intended, yeah. then I'm more of a distraction. I'm more of a hindrance. And that's really where religiosity, you know, if our traditions, if our, you know, phylacteries, if the things that we um, do out of rote um, are more of a distraction, if my phraseology. Now, now let, let me qualify that even more. There are people, and I, I'm just, you know, I'm going to go somewhere here. There are people, and I've, I've known, no, nationally known preachers, who said curse words in a message, thinking they could just break open the religious cycle of people. And of course, I don't advocate that and don't recommend that <laughs> at all. But the point is, they were thinking, if, you know, I'm just going to blow up. You know, and people even in Facebook, they they throw in their their bombs and thinking I'm allowed to do that. Yeah, that I am not religious. And all I would say is, you know, if I want to be naturally supernatural, I cannot ignore the fruit of the spirit, the character of God. I mean, all these things are a part of the criteria for ministering. So in humility, you know. If God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And when the Bible says, humble yourself, well, ministering in the gifts of the Spirit is going to humble you. The very nature of it mm-hmm. is humbling. If it's be- done right. If it's done right, because you don't, you have no confidence. When people got, P- Peter got out of the boat, he was not thinking, I got this. <laughs> he, he was, ter- you know, but he did it initially till he looked down and got afraid. Yeah. So I'm always... Depend. And now, especially as you get older, even now, there's nothing. I mean, I'll be 70 in February, but there's nothing in my future that I'm thinking of. I know so much. I've done so much. No, I'm heading into brand new virgin fertile territory every day. Mm-hmm. And, and I have to be dependent upon God. And so I think living with that holy dependency will keep a naturalness. So I've walked up to people and I've you know, I you know I just had a guy who finally gave a testimony in our church, um, and he was a he's a tough hombre, uh, tough guy, and so a, a couple of years ago during a worship service, I felt led. He's, I mean, he's a physically tough guy mm-hmm. and has distance around him, mm-hmm. and you just know you don't want to mess with this guy. Yeah. But I came up and during a worship service, I wrapped my arms around him in the middle of worship, <laughs> and just began to speak into his ear. And was prophesying something there. Well, you know, he had a cocaine addiction. I mean, he had all kinds of stuff going on that nobody knew. And I didn't know. Um, and I was terrified. I mean, part of me, I'm going, I'm about to do a, you know, a chest lock on this guy <laughs> yeah, from behind. That's bold. Yeah, and it, it, was, it was bold. It was scary, too. But 
wow, the healing that has come in his marriage and his family, I mean, it has been miraculous. But wow. it took a moment of almost terror. Yeah. <laughs> but I, let me say this too. Let me qualify wow. it. If I have a peace, I may be afraid. Yeah. Fear is never a deer breaker. Mm. Confusion is. I shut my engines down if I'm confused. Yeah. But fear, I have found, is more of a qualification. Yeah. Because God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but a power and love of a sound mind. You know, his perfect love casts out all fear. You know, I, I recognize I am oftentimes intimidated to do something. Right. But that only makes me more dependent upon God. It doesn't eliminate me from doing it. It makes me look to him in a greater way. Let me let me uh, hit something on here about being naturally supernatural that that may not be super clear. We have some um, method challenges if we're role modeling inappropriately. And here's what I mean. So when you're unnaturally supernatural, right? Like let's say you're changing your voice or you're doing whatever. When everything that we do as leaders is role modeling, whether we like it or not. And some people are thinking it is your method that is creating the miracle. Because so, for example, when Naaman washed, his method of washing seven times was his act of faith by which he was healed of his leprosy. When someone, the Bible says, and they laid their hands upon them, there was a method by which there was an impartation of the power of God. So a lot of people, the Bible's very quiet about method. It doesn't talk a lot about right. method. It just says it happened. That's good. So everyone's trying to role model and they're going, so what part is method yeah. and what part is just the spirit? Sure. And if you start going, I believe, and then they're like, <laughs> well, maybe it's because he talked like that, right. that there was more power. <laughs> yeah. And and so when we are naturally supernatural, it allows some more of the legit yes. to get yeah. through that can be duplicated mm-hmm. as opposed to, well, I don't, was it because he was snapping his fingers? Is that why <laughs> yeah. he, the Lord moved? Um, is it because they called down fire from God? Is that why? Was there magic words? Is it because as a, as a, a man who has really struggled in his life to chase after the supernatural, I'm grasping at everything. Right. I'm trying to analyze yeah. what part is method, what part of just impartation, what part right. is this. And so I'm looking for the right way to do it. And the Bible's not clear always on the right way I, to do it. I think I think it really starts with a heart. It does. Right. Jesus was moved with compassion. And so if I don't have in my heart a genuine desire to want to help, like we had a guy a homeless guy who lived outside of our church for a year. We have a plaque there now. And he always lived where I would park my car coming in. So I'd have to go by him. And so a hundred times I would, you know, sit down, whatever drink I had, if it was hot in the summer, I'd have a cold drink and I'd wind up giving it to him. You know, cold, I give him a hot drink. So, and I would pray for him and I prayed to receive the Lord three or four times. When I tried, we, we put him in a place because he was an alcoholic where he was okay and he was doing good there, but he couldn't stay there because he wanted to smoke and drink. And so anyway, we, that, that became kind of his home. I just kind of accepted it, but I was always humbled by him. I wanted him healed. I, I contacted a brother, called a brother up in Oregon. He had not talked in 15 years, never got a call back. I mean, I did whatever I could, but I was out of hand grenades throwing rocks. I had nothing left for the guy <laughs> except to experience the awkwardness of seeing him every other day. Yep. And be un- unable to fully deliver him. We had a memorial service when he died. Police officers came. It was a sweet deal, but it never 
felt like everything was accomplished that I would like to have accomplished. And that was, but the point is it had awkwardness in it Yes, and mm. it never fully went away. And I would just say, if you're going to obey the Holy Spirit, it awkward's for dinner. <laughs> you are. I mean, you're, you're not going to walk away going, I am amazing. You're going to go, God, if there's anything I did that was of any value, right? because I feel like a moron at this moment, and I try not to beat myself. Again, I can beat myself up pretty quickly, really quickly. But I try and say, get it off me. Get it off me. Lord, I can't think about that. I will never do anything again. I'll just stop. Yeah, right. And I know me stop. Up. I will not help anyone. Yep. I've blown it. I've asked forgiveness. Uh, you know, here's an example. One woman, uh, okay, a couple, I was in Germany ministering and prayed over a woman who was pregnant. Got a letter a few months later, prayed a blessing over the, the child. She had a miscarriage. She then writes me a letter, horrible, sad, wrote him back, tears, you know, grieved me, took as much responsibility as I could. But it was one of those, oh, why? Another situation, a woman with scoliosis of the spine prayed over her. And all I prayed in the middle of a meeting, praying over a lot of people, I prayed, pop, 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 pop. You know, sugar pop Pete. I saw, I walked away from that thinking I was a moron. That's all I said. I said seven pops. I did nothing else. Two years later, I'm in another meeting elsewhere. She comes walking toward me. I recognize her. She was distinctive. I recognized her. I began to feel bad. And my immediate feeling was, oh my gosh, here comes the pop pop. <laughs> but she's smiling. She's glowing. She's coming up. She's still got her scoliosis, but she's coming up. And she said, oh, I was hoping I would see you here today. And she said, I went to a doctor and he said there were seven vertebrae that were out. And I realized that those seven pops, that one day I'm going to hear those those wow. pops. And so, <laughs> you know, there was no incredible catharsis even then. Yeah. I felt a little better. <laughs> yeah, right. I was, you know, but it's still, it, I was somewhat stigmatized by me having to do something that never completely made me feel that I had done everything I would like to have done. Hmm. It made me feel wow. a little better. Right. But us feeling better is still not the qualifier for whether we should do something. Well, we're not ultimately the point, right? Exactly. And, um, and, and us feeling great about it isn't always That's the point. You know, I goal. when I was teaching on the supernatural, you know, we are continuing to release those series and right. different things that I have uh, trained on. Um, I said, I think it has to be weird because pride's such a problem. Exactly. <laughs> you know, good. like if, if pride wasn't a problem, I think God could probably make it more normal. But yeah. He has to make it more weird because pride is such an issue. Yeah. And on some level, I mean, if you're, I would imagine you would say, if, if you're not willing to press in during the weird, during the awkward, even right. during the failure, right. you're not going to see God move in, in these ways because on some level you're right. I mean, I think, yeah, because pride yeah. is such a problem, it's gotta yeah. be, it's gotta be weird. And if we just say, well, this, this is weird. So I'm going to shut down. Exactly. We're not going to see the move of God. Now you want to be responsible about it. Cause it could also be weird and awkward because you're operating in your own flesh and you're being a moron. But Absolutely. that's <laughs> Yeah. It's but, why are you shutting down? Yeah, are right. you shutting down because you said, I'm doing something wrong? Are you shutting down because your pride won't let you do it? Yeah. Are you shutting down because you said, well, if it's God, it should be normal and not weird? That's just odd to me. Right. You know what I mean? It, it's kind of like, well, I'm not going to do that because it's weird. But what if God's in it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. 
I was just gonna say, I love your distinction you made a little bit ago between fear and confusion that something might be scary, but that could actually be evidence that God is in it and he's calling you to have courage and to act. Exactly. But then to have that note to say, okay, if this is confused and I feel like this is just going to lead to chaos, that to me, because God is not the author of confusion, that to me is a sign, okay, I'm... I've got something right. missed here. I think that's a really good check. I mean, I'm going to keep that with yeah. me. Just a good check to keep on all of our spirits. Well, let me, let me put a caveat on that. That is for the person ministering. That is right. not for the audience. Oh, right, right, because right. Because right. once again, um, when you were, uh, you coach, he coaches his little guys in soccer. They're, mm-hmm. they're five and seven years old. And mm-hmm. when he coaches his little guys, they're confused. All the time. And, um, <laughs> and but you're not doing anything wrong. Sure. It's just above their pay grade. Yes. And that's what I meant is that's yes. It's, it's for the person ministering. Oftentimes, yes, we can that's be listening. Good. We can be observing and yes. we're confused. Not because what's going on is yes. not of God, but that's, just because we don't. But I've heard that a lot. Which is, I'm in a service and it looks chaotic to me. It looks confusing. That must not be from the Lord because God's not the God of confusion. And you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's just above your head. Right. Like you think it's chaotic. It's not chaotic. It's an orchestration of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Absolutely. That's that's absolutely right. I I was, um, in terms of following a leading as an example, I was on a plane and there were, you know, um, some guys standing in the back on the flight, and there was one guy that was very sanguine, very outgoing, kind of the life of the party. And God gave me a word for him, so I'm just processing it. And then we get off the flight. It's in Chicago, I think, and so I'm now following him around the airport. You know, he goes in the restroom. I follow him, and I'm still not ready yet. <laughs> then he goes into a gift shop. I mean, I'm not losing the guy. I'm on him. He's still in my side. I finally in the gift shop. I had mustard again. I'm for afraid. Sure. And I, I walked up and I just said, you know, I was on a plane. I, and again, also I would say, just share what happened. Yeah. I was on a plane. And when I saw you, I'm a Christian. And I felt like God gave me something for you. And I just want to submit this to you. Mm-hmm. And then I just went and I said, you have a call in your life as, as, as to minister for him. And he's calling. You know, and I just shared a few sentences and, you know, he's listening, he's absorbing it. And all of a sudden, you know, going from the life of the party, he goes down to a very serious mode in his life. The point is, was I afraid? Absolutely. Yeah. Did I hold on for dear life? Yes. <laughs> I rode the wave to the beach. I got gravel in my bathing suit, but I did not let go of the paddleboard. I did it. So um, I, I just, I guess what I would just say, to let people kind of off the hook. Here's an example. Yesterday, I'm about to retire, guys. So I said to my wife, I I went to the gym and swam a little bit, and it was midday and there was no one there, and I was outside, and I just was enjoying listening to music, and I thought to myself, I'm just relaxing now. And I thought, do I ever really relax? I can answer that for you. (laughs) I'm always planning, plotting, writing, ready. I mean, and I said, I'm going through another season. And I said to my wife in the car when she picked me up, do I really think I'll be able to rely? I know I still have things on my heart I want to do. I'm not going off into oblivion to drool in the first row. I, I, I have things on my heart, but I'm wondering, is God going to... And then I'm, I'm invited to speak at a men's meeting in November, and they said, I just got the title now, um, Light and Easy. 
<laughs> is my title. You know, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Yes. And I'm thinking, gosh, that is so good. I'll have to explore that. I know nothing about this topic. So I said to my wife, I said, dude, I, I said, I know it's, it's like a rhetorical question. I know I don't relax very well. She goes, yeah, that's true. I said, but I wonder, will I be allowed? Will God like open up a portal, a window of me relaxing in a different way? Just enjoy. My older mm. brother is 86. And he was a high potency vitamin, lawyer, et cetera. Now he just sits, I sit for hours. He says, I just pray for hours looking out the window. And I said, is there somewhere down the road, <laughs> that light and easy prayer, I'll just be sitting there and not, you know, God, you know, storming heaven, but just yeah. letting prayer flow out of me. These are the questions. On the, next, the next time <laughs> I come back, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know right. how light and easy yeah, is going. How, uh, well, I, think, <laughs> I think all of our listeners, as we're kind of wrapping this up, all of our listeners can, can know why we brought Pastor Francis in here. Not only is he uh, somebody very, very precious to me, but um, I used a phrase similar to this. We were talking about it before, that he is the sanest person in the crazy lane, right? <laughs> um, when we first got together, just the idea of... I needed so desperately the power of God to move more in ministry. And I knew I was being called to a bunch of different things. And when we partnered together, I needed someone that could speak my language that wouldn't run out so far ahead of me that I I couldn't see what to do. And you were gentle and kind and willing Mm -hmm. to talk. And we don't actually talk a whole lot about supernatural when we hang out together. Uh, We spend a lot more time speaking of revival and unity and regional movements and a work of God. And now all that is supernatural, but we don't always talk about the gifts of the spirit and all that stuff. Shockingly, we've talked very little yeah. I think in in our long relationship, considering how much you know, um, but I think that what was so beautiful about this particular podcast is I think no one should have a fear hearing us talk. Yep. There should be more of an excitement yeah. and a leaning into as opposed to, oh my gosh, I never want to be like that. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I think that's why he was such a beautiful guest for this. Totally agree. Yes. Sanest person in the crazy lane. No question. <laughs> because, cool. I, you know, I, you know this about me, Lance, that such a big passion of mine in anything we do is just accessibility. Yes. Right. I was, I was explaining to somebody else the other day that when I'm getting ready to preach, especially if it's a week that I know I'm up, it really affects just about everything that I do that week. Like I was out to lunch with a guy in our church. And as I'm sitting there talking to this guy and I'm looking around the restaurant and I'm thinking to myself, what the heck does what I'm about to say on Sunday have Mm. to have anything to do with these people's lives? And I'm not saying it didn't have anything to do with it, but I'm saying like, that's the burden I carry. Like this needs to be something that people can grab onto and do something with. And I think in the same way with a lot of this supernatural stuff, it's like, okay, how do I grab onto it? And, and now, Hey, we might be hanging on for dear life at some point because it's the power of God we're talking (laughs) about. So it's not that we, we master it. I mean, if anything, we're mastered by it, but we want to help people understand, okay, this is how you can begin to engage with the supernatural. God is present in at work and, 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 you know, he lives in you and, and, and you can engage with him in the work that he's doing. And I think pastor Francis, you've, you've kind of helped us understand that better. So. I, I think it should be normal. Amen. Normal is the constant yes. pattern. Amen. Amen. Very good. It may not be common, but it should be normal. It should be normal. Amen. Very good. 
All right. Well, thank you uh, to Pastor Francis Infuso for taking the time to be with us today. Thanks to Pastor Lance as well. And thanks to you, our listeners, for engaging with the supernatural with us today. We hope that uh, this conversation inspired you just to press more into what God is doing in your midst. Remember, he is present and at work and invites you to join him in his work in the world. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you back here in two weeks for the next episode of the Engaging Culture Podcast. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.